Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Michael Jr. That is me. With me, as always, super producer Brandon Newman, Isaiah out in the desert, my father, Mike Golick Sr., and uh, Dad, we got a great one for everyone today. We got updates on the NFL's foremost criminal. We have got our Big Ten three big questions helping preview college football season. But, Dad, are you ready to crown the one true king of preseason football? Because I sure as hell am. Oh, I know you are. I know you are. And and what a what a job he's been doing. I thought last night was pretty good. Not like it was in the first game. Obviously, we'll get into it um, as we're getting preseason game number two. I keep forgetting that there's only three, and next week is the last preseason game. Yeah. I got to try try and remember that. But but also, I'm a little distracted. Just so you know, and every guy runs into this every now and then. You get left home alone. Your mother, my oh, wife, is is in Arizona yeah. for a few days, and so I now I have to leave the door open to the room I'm doing the show because the three dogs are running around. I don't know what they're doing, but I'm always interested in in what guys do around the house when they're left alone, knowing that when your spouse comes back, that it better be the way they left it, not the way you think it needs to be. Uh, so that's the situation I'm in right now. And I'm usually one of those guys that waits until right at the last minute. Then I will go on a, a cleaning frenzy, get everything squared away, let the dogs lick the, the bowls and stuff, and then put them back in the in the cupboards and stuff so everything's clean and looks good when your mother gets back home. Yeah, it's the classic case of 
your clean versus your spouse's clean yeah. when it comes to yeah. being around the house. In my case as a kid, it was what I thought was clean and what my mom thought was clean and the chasm between the two of those things. Yeah. But dad, this is why you never had a leg to stand on anytime you would get on us about cleaning stuff up because we know deep down in your heart who you are. No, you, listen, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, 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 because we've been married 36 years, I now have learned her clean as opposed to what I think is acceptable when I'm going around the house trying to straighten it up for her to come back, I have to replay in my head, okay, I've done what I think is acceptable. Now I need to do it 10 times better to even reach her level. And even at that, even, even at that, you know, I'll, I'll not have done everything, right? And, and, can and I ask, I'll somehow, some way get in trouble. Can I ask a question real quick? Speaking of her clean, how are you going to do without a bath for this long? Uh, yeah, I'll have to shower. I know that's, that's, I'll just okay. have to shower. Wait, so you, okay. you legitimately don't take baths when my mom is out of town for anyone that missed no. this on a prior pod. Every pod is someone's first. My dad only takes baths after my mom has taken the bath. She will go and draw a bath. She will go and enjoy the bath. And then without fail, this is, Every night I have ever been with my parents and a bath has been involved. My dad is sitting on one couch. He will roll his head over and look at my mom and go, "Hun, we thinking about a tub? And my mom will go in and take the bath and then leave the water in for him. My mother's retread bath water becomes my father's fresh bath water. And so, Dad, what you are saying is you're a grown 60-year-old man, a bath enthusiast, yeah. and the minute my mom leaves town, you are now powerless against the forces of dirt with the bath as a weapon for you. Well, see, this is the way I, I look at it. A, your mother is never dirty, so it's never really dirty water I'm getting into, and I'm, you best not say anything. <laughs> you best girls, not say the anything. The girls don't poop mantra yeah. goes to my yeah, mom you better not, not say anything dirty ever. You, you better not say anything different. That's your mother. And number two, she just draws a great bath. I can't duplicate that. I'm used to, I'm used to her bath perfection. With water temperature, suds, and all that thing, she does it so well that if I try and duplicate it, it's not as good, and then I've wasted my time. So I just go in the shower and take take nice long showers now. Brandon, I need you to come back for a second here because you've known you've known us for a while. You and I have had like a lot of experiences together, and you're someone that's gotten on me a lot about my bathing habits here. Like I attribute my use of the washcloth almost solely to our friendship and our time spent together in college. Is this the whitest thing you've ever heard come from my family? <laughs> honestly, honestly, it it supersedes whiteness. It's like uh, this little alien status. You know, everyone's different. Like I hear this and i am so confused how are we thinking about a bath like th this is honestly this is past whiteness this is nfl stuff like this is like nfl level stuff if you've been around enough nfl players they're just they're like artists in a way like they have the way that they do things and they have their system yes. and if it's off it's completely out like this is simply you spending as much time as you did in the nfl yeah yeah listen i agree i i have learned she draws the what is to me the perfect bath so anything if i try and do it on my own it won't be as good and i i just mentally won't enjoy it the way i do after using her bath water so so be it and i'm not ashamed of it i am not ashamed of it 
One bit. I, I have told the world. We're not trying to make you ashamed. We're not. I just was honestly wondering is. how you took your baths. I, I, I am. When, when you know, Mama Indy was in Arizona. <laughs> I didn't. I, I'm telling you. I, I, I don't take a bath when she's not around. I shower. And we're all shocked. I mean, plain we're and all simple. shocked. Yeah. 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 Listen, either way, I'm still getting cleaned. And you know what? We should honestly take that as the win in all of this. Having that dad is still showering while my mom is out of town. He's got enough self-respect to clean himself. <laughs> we'll get into another question I have on cleaning yourself uh, coming up here soon. But dad, if we're going to talk about random habits uh, developed in the NFL, Dorian Thompson Robinson, my chosen king of the NFL preseason, is going to have a chance to develop a lot of weird habits because that MF is going to be around here playing for quite some time. DTR got to go out there last night as the starter for the preseason game. Obviously, we know Deshaun Watson has been the starter and you know and will be the starter in Cleveland. Josh Dobbs is the backup there right now, but it's been Kellen Mond and DTR kind of trading for that third job, which again, remember this year, you've got going into this season the emergency quarterback rule that's going to allow right. a third quarterback to be kept on the roster and added onto the game day roster without counting against that 53-man group. And so, Dad, because of that, this is a little more relevant. But DTR has taken on a, just an absolute life of his own this preseason, probably because the Browns have had two standalone games. They had the Hall of Fame game and then played in a Thursday right. nighter last night. But he has been flat-out fun, man. I saw, you know – um, I saw uh, them breaking down uh, Baldy over at the NFL Network, him having a two-block zone read play, a plenty of dime balls thrown in there. Finished 13 of 25 for a buck 64. So some of them sailed towards the end. But overall, what yeah. a stellar preseason performance. And I'm glad that the Browns have seen the light and now are putting him in over Kellen Mond. That was deserved and long time necessary. Well, he's going he's gonna to beat out Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond has struggled since coming into the NFL, and he's going to beat him out. And he's not going to – and you talked about the emergency quarterback thing, which is going to be obviously a real thing this year. It can't be the practice squad because the practice squad, you have to cut a player and then sign him yeah. back to the practice squad. And someone's going to pick this guy up, so that's not happening. Now, again, his game wasn't as good as the first game that he played, but still you see it. This was a fifth rounder, so there are not the high expectations of the quarterbacks we saw go in the first round this year that were basically handed starting jobs. This is a guy, again, understand what we're saying, fighting for a third spot. Not the starter, not the backup, but a third spot. But – to be on an NFL roster, we, you've seen enough of the good passes and the ability to run, uh, move out of the pocket, and either throw the ball or run and be dangerous running. Love what he's doing. Love it. I mean, he is setting himself. And this is what happens in prison. Some You'll see it in practice, especially when you practice against other teams. But then you see it in the preseason games. He is getting a huge check mark for what he's doing. And unfortunately for the other team that they played, <laughs> that backup is not. Yo, I mean, that's really the conversation coming off this game, right? Because we all love DTR. He's going to be a great story. College fans have enjoyed seeing the NFL get one of our best guys. But on the other side for the Eagles, like you come out of this game with a few things. One, Georgia football just got a great new recruiting poster with half the starting oh. defensive front for the Philadelphia Eagles being Georgia players as you had Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, and Nolan Smith all out there. Nolan Smith had a little bit of an injury scare on a tackle. Right. It appears that he's fine, and that was just precautionary. But, Dad, you mentioned it on the other side of the ball where the Eagles have a fair amount of turnover on the team in general this year, right? 
Hargraves, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, a bunch of key spots all gone. But backup quarterback is also something that came into light last night because Marcus Mariota, who was expected to come over after spending the season in Atlanta last year and be a really solid veteran backup in an offense that would kind of cater to his skills should he get thrown in there, should anything happen to Jalen Hurts, and we hope it doesn't. That was a rough outing last night, and I know it's just one preseason game, but, Dad, that showing to me prompted enough of a, huh, where – if you're the Eagles, do you think about looking out and seeing what the veteran market looks like as you get further into camp here? I, I think you have to because you can't go, you know, Tanner McKee uh, came, come in last game, Ian Book, who did not play well. You're, you're not going to rely on a Tanner McKee for your backup because I, I, in all honesty, I don't think you can do that with Marcus Mariota. This is a Super Bowl, obviously Super Bowl-ready roster. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that would say if Jalen Hurts gets hurt anyway, their chances are over. You know, I don't necessarily agree with that because the NFC is not very deep. So get a quality backup like what in San Francisco. The backup's going to be Sam Darnold because they have a Super Bowl. Um, they have a Super Bowl roster as well. Sam Darnold, obviously, or Brock Purdy is nowhere near Jalen Hurts, but he is the the starter, uh, and you need a quality backup to lead that roster. And I think the same thing in Philadelphia. And I don't know what veterans are available out there. But they're going to have to think long and hard that if Jalen has to miss, like last year, Dak had to miss five games. You need a backup to come in and keep your team's head above water. Well, honestly, Cooper Rush did that. He's been in that system for a while now. He went four and one. That's what Philadelphia needs. And I don't know if you're getting that out of Marcus Mariota and you can't rely on a real young guy to be the backup. So they might be searching for that veteran to back up Jalen Hurts in case they need him for a few games. Yeah, I'm not sure what it's looked like in practice, but you'd expect a guy with a that much NFL football under his belt to look a lot better than that did last night. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great. But everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Uh, Dad, in the same vein as what we've got going on in preseason football, where we're answering sort of cosmetic questions, we can call them, about backup quarterback, guys that are going to fill out your roster. You might get one or two guys that flash enough to end up making an impact, but a lot of preseason is everybody just knocking the rust off, right? And that tends to include officials, but also tends to include us getting used to some of the new rules. And saw the other day the NFL said that it is actually mulling changing the kickoff. The XFL kickoff style that we've seen that puts the combatants, for lack of a better term, from each side closer together, tries to remove some of the contact in an area of the game that we've seen produces the most injury. Uh, 
Dad, this has always kind of been a hot button issue because the kickoff itself feels like a bit of nostalgia for everyone. It's been a play yep. that's so often associated with the NFL. You think of the flashbulbs before the kickoff of a game like the Super Bowl and just kind of what it signifies to everyone and the amount of jobs that we see it also provide players. We know special teams is one of those areas for supplemental players on a roster that's a huge part of their livelihood. So what do you think about this from what you've seen over the years of side leagues like the XFL, the USFL, trying stuff like this out as sort of a trial balloon for the NFL. And, and listen, I understand the NFL, you know, with all the head injuries and stuff, stopping the fact of, you know, the rules were different when I played of setting up a wedge and guys flying down on kickoff and just airborning themselves and turning sideways to try and like they were knocking down bowling pins to, to where it is now to stopping, you know, you can't have a double team, you can't lock arms. So to, to where we are now, to where if you fair catch the ball inside the 25, you get it at the 25-yard line. And we see way more kicks out of the end zone and touchbacks than we do returns, which could be a big part of the game. So I think we don't want to lose that part of the game. So what the XFL did, if you, everybody can envision, the kickoff return team all lines up, I believe it's on their 30-yard line. And the kickoff team lines up on the 35-yard line, five yards away from one another. The kicker kicks the ball and nobody, the, the kickoff team cannot start moving until the returner catches the ball. As soon as he catches the ball, everybody goes. And what you get is still a viable play that could have a big impact on the game and less of the vicious uh, collisions that you see with a guy running 40 yards with a full head of steam running into someone who doesn't have a full head of steam going on and the injuries that can ensue. So you're five yards away from each other. As soon as a kid catches it, you start the kickoff return. I loved it. I watched it. I said, this keeps the kickoff, kickoff return in the game, and you can still get a big play out of it. It looks weird, so I think people will be like, ah, I don't know. I don't know about this change, but it's something that I think once you see it, once you see there's less injuries, you get the kickoff return back in the game, I think people would like it. I think this would be like the NFL's equivalent of Rob Manfred putting a man on second for the uh, ex like extra innings rules in baseball, where it looks so odd and it's so foreign to the people that love the sport. But to your point about what drives this, Dad, the NFL released its uh, concussion data from last season. There were 149 concussions over 271 games. It was an 18% jump from the 2021 season and 14% higher than the three-year average. So they're clearly feeling the heat on this. And while they did a better job keeping preseason concussions down, they understand this is going to continue to be an area of emphasis for the league. And so making this happen could go a long way in that. And like to your point, it still gives you the action of the play. And for me, most importantly, it keeps offensive linemen out of the mix. This play well, is I'll tell you what, that, I hated being yeah. a part of it every single time. The happiest people are going to be the kickoff return people, the, the blockers, because they're because I did it. I know you did it for a while. Is the worst thing in the world is someone coming down full speed and you only building up about five or ten yards and to have to block this person. I mean, it was horrid, horrible. So yeah, now five yards apart, much happier with this if I'm if I'm on the kickoff return team. 
I was lo- I was listening to New Heights the other day with Jason and Travis Kelsey, and Jason was talking about when he first got in the league, how you could still do the wedge back then. Yes. And he's like, yeah. it, describing it is truly insane. You did. You yes. ran back 10 yards, you looked at the returner, and then someone screamed, go. And then you, with your little 10-yard head start, had to hit somebody who was running 50 yards downfield. And the somebody is always the terrifying part in the NFL. I'll never forget. It was at the end of uh, Kyle Rudolph, my good buddy, one of our former roommates. He left college after our junior year. So my true senior year was his rookie year in the NFL. And we got done in time to go and watch his last regular season game at the end of the year. They weren't going to make the playoffs. And I don't even remember who the Vikings were playing in that game. But I remember talking to Kyle about how Everson Griffin, the former defensive end monster of a man, was running down on kickoff. And Kyle said, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. He's the first guy down on our kickoff unit as like a 270-plus pound defensive end. And sure enough, I watch in that game, he's at like the R2 or R3 spot on the outside, sprinting down the first guy down there and watch him absolutely upend offensive linemen, tight ends, any poor soul that's going out there and trying to block him. And that was the first moment I realized that this league might not be built for me if they've got people like him that can do things like that. Well, listen, when you get freak shows on special teams that do that, and understand it's not the kick returner that's going to fear that guy. It's that tight end or offensive lineman or D lineman, whoever is in that wedge or the lead blocker, that's going to feel that effect. Because rarely is that first person down making the tackle. But what that first person down is going to do is 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 plow the road, you know, to take a line from uh, Independence Day. You know, they are going to clear the road for other people to come in and make the tackle. And some poor schmuck is going to be on the wrong end of that thing. Dan, I know you hate these movies, but your partner Jessica Smetana loves them, and so do I. Every special teams play in the NFL is like the battle at Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings. It's just orcs throwing themselves through sides of castles and people getting launched off barricades. It's chaos. Every bit of it is organized chaos. And the people that sign up and make their living that way deserve a lot more of our respect than they get publicly. Because we look at special teamers like also rans in the NFL when those people are actually the biggest lunatics on the planet. They absolutely are. And everybody should, younger generation, should do yourself a favor and Google somehow, some way, kickoffs and kickoff returns from like 30 years ago and see how that play was. Compared to now, it's night and day. So if you go and watch some of those maniacs diving and how they, they were called wedge busters, and that was their only job, and they would literally fly through the air and turn themselves sideways and try and destroy three people at a time. It was crazy it's like tarantino movie level violence where it's so overblown it doesn't seem real the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba with same game parlays live betting odds boosts and so much more don't miss out as the nba postseason winds down and if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Dad, as we've been doing this week, I wanted to spend some time looking ahead to college football season because, again, we are now officially just about a week away from the start of week zero, which still makes very little sense to me, but, hey, we're going to go with it. It's the tip of the spear of college football season, and we have so far gone through the Pac-12 and the SEC, and we wanted to round out the week with the other conference that's officially a part of the Power Two going forward, the Big Ten. So we've got three questions heading into the 2023 Big Ten season that we wanted to hit on here uh, at Gojo Show on Twitter if you want to weigh in on any of these. And, Dad, the Big Ten is fascinating, but I want to start with this. And I feel gross saying this. This thought as a as a fan, because I always have to differentiate, right? Like there's the fan and former player in me, and then there's the analyst that I am now. And when I cover this team, I do it unbiased. I enjoy watching them. You know, I, I have great respect, especially for a particular position group on their team and their offensive line. But as a fan, there are a few things that keep me up my, at night more than this thought. Dad, can Michigan actually win the national championship this year? I always like you and I have our difference with Michigan. Obviously, you, when you were playing here, hated Michigan. For me, it was USC. And I had always said, if I didn't go to Notre Dame, I would have gone, I probably would have gone to Michigan, uh, which I know doesn't sit well with you. I know, I know. Um, Can they? I mean, listen, Georgia is so overwhelmingly a favorite. Alabama, you always have to put them in there. But Michigan, I mean, especially in the Big Ten, they're one of the few top teams that's returning their quarterback, right? There's got to be something to that, even in the Big Ten. Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, the other teams that could compete for the title all are dealing with new quarterbacks. We'll get to Wisconsin, which I think is kind of a wild card in this of where this offense is kind of going. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Michigan can. Um, they're, they're, I love the way their defense plays. Like I said, returning quarterback uh, McCarthy on offense. So, and going for three in a row on on winning the Big Ten, beating Ohio State, getting into the into the the playoffs. I mean, all, how a couple of years ago we were talking about Harbaugh and his job security because he couldn't beat Ohio State. What if he were to beat Ryan Day for a third straight year? What would be the talk in Ohio State about Ryan Day? That's the uh, would be a, a wild thing to me, but. Yeah, I think you'd have to give Michigan the 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 chance to say yes, they can win it all. Do I think they will? No, but I think they could have a chance. Yeah, I, I think to your point, they absolutely can. It does need a bit of regression because Georgia has been so far out ahead of everyone. Like I saw someone with the audacity to tweet that if Michigan had somehow made one stop on a third down where Quentin Johnston bust a long run towards the end of that or a long catch towards the end of the TCU-Michigan semifinal game that they would have won a national championship. Dog, I got news for you. You guys weren't taking no. that Georgia. Nobody was no. beating that Georgia team last year, nope. at least nope. not in the nope. version that we saw, especially towards the end of the season, with the exception of Ohio State. And, Dad, really, to me, 
that's because of my biggest thing with Michigan. Like they've been instituting the beat Georgia periods. They've talked about wanting to get over that right, hump. Right. People have made the joke it should just be a beat TCU period, but it's really got to be the downfield passing game developing a lot more than it did. Like that everyone came out of the Ohio State win last year and wanted to treat it like the Ohio State win from the year before where Michigan in a snowy game, bullied Ohio State up front, ran all over them, managed to get their first win in quite some time. It was an awesome setting. It was an awesome visual in college football. Last year, when you look at that game, a lot more competitive along the lines of scrimmage. Like year yep, two for Jim was. Knowles in Ohio State is going to be fascinating. They've got a good group up front. The linebacker group from last year in Eichenberg and Steel Chambers showed up a lot in the frame. So – the front seven, I think there's less disparity there. It was in that game last year, J.J. McCarthy wasn't afraid to chuck it downfield and make right. some plays. They beat a couple of the blitz for, looks from Ohio State. They made some big plays in the passing game, and that just was not there consistently enough throughout the season where, yeah, listen, you've got you know Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards and a great backfield, the Joe Moore Award-winning offensive line back-to-back -back years that's got some pretty impressive depth thanks to what they've done in the portal. But it's like, unless you're going to commit to developing that during the course of what's a pretty favorable schedule for the majority of the season, I think ultimately once you get to those big games, you're going to fall short because you don't have the time under task with the multi multifaceted offense you're going to need to beat an Alabama, a Georgia, whoever you see in the playoff. Yeah, I, I listen, I can't see him struggling a whole lot until you get to those last three games, right? Penn State... Uh, Maryland, and then Ohio State. And they're all three in a row. No no rest in between any of those. So, But, I mean, they're returning 15 starters, three on that old line, quarterback, running back, tight end, both wide receivers. And, and I'm interested to see what this Chris Jenkins kid does on the D-line. Uh, I mean, he's just a mutant with his strength. It's just it, – it's amazing. But, you know, they're always known for their tough defense. So, you know, that that's still there. But again, the offense is returning a lot of talent. And as far as going up against Ohio State, Ohio State has five stars falling out of a tree, right? It's just a matter of who's going to step up and get the job done for them. But this this could be the most talented team Harbaugh has. And even Harbaugh can't even mess this up. He was going to be suspended for four games. Now he's not. Even if yeah. he was suspended for four games, that would it wouldn't have meant a damn thing. He could have still been at practice all week. So that was that was almost laughable what was going on there. But Michigan is 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 right there and they're poised to get it done. Yeah, a reminder, the games that Jim Harbaugh almost was suspended for would have been East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and their lone Big Ten game, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, all at home, mind you. So the NCAA was really barking up the right tree with that potential suspension. Um, Dad, a lot of what we've talked about here, we've hinted at Ohio State. I think that everyone kind of views the Big Ten this year as a three-team league. And really, right. it all exists on one side of it, the Big Ten East, where you've got Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Everyone's looking at Penn State, who's got a defense full of mutants on the defensive line that are more of those tweener bodies. Offensively, you've got that backfield with Katron Allen and Nick Singleton that looks incredibly potent, and everyone's excited to turn the page on the Drew Alar experience there. You had Sean Clifford there for what felt like ever. He was right. like a Syracuse ever, point yeah. guard. 
And now they've got the big, talented arm that they've been looking for that they think can get them over the hump this year. So, Dad, my second question to you, can Wisconsin crack that big three party and help represent for the Big Ten West this season? So this is the team that is the biggest enigma to me because obviously you think of Big Ten, you think of running the ball, power ball. Now certainly Ohio State's been throwing the ball. They have incredible wide receivers. I get it. But especially Wisconsin, you can start, you can rattle off the offensive linemen and running backs that they have in the NFL. And every offensive lineman through Hay his entire childhood and is just <laughs> unbelievably strong. I mean, it's it's ridiculous of what they are. But they bring in well, they bring in Phil Longo and they got the SMU transfer a quarterback, a kid who threw for like 9,000 touchdowns in the last couple of years. And you're talking about a bit of air raid type in this offense. Now, they're still going to talk about the running game because of the O-line and the running backs that they have. But this, to me, is going to be one of the more amazing things if you see Wisconsin start opening up their offense. That, that's going to be a wild thing to see in the Big Ten, you know, let alone Wisconsin. So to me, they're the, they're the walker. And you're right. You're sitting there in the West, you know, away from Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. So I do think they'll represent out of the West. But how good can they be? I definitely think they can crack that big three if now you're putting in this new offense. And again, there's no preseason game. So you got to hit the ground running now. You know, I get it. What is it? Uh, Buffalo you're starting out with at Washington State and such. So usually you use those early games to, to kind of do that. But I'm going to be real interested to see how this offense runs. And to your point, like not to do too much of the schedule game, but of the big three we talked about in the East, they only draw Ohio State. So you don't have Michigan, you don't have Penn State, and Iowa State is, or excuse me, Ohio State, Wisconsin gets at home. Dad, I saw this was kind of what piqued my interest because I think everyone's certainly been excited about this. And listen, Paul Chris did a lot of great things, won a lot of double-digit win seasons during his time at Wisconsin, but this breath of fresh air and Luke Fickle taking the jump. There were a lot of people that thought he would only leave for a couple of jobs in college football, Notre Dame and Ohio State. And so him going up to Camp Randall now, and like you said, bringing a very different style of offense than Wisconsin football has seen in a while, while still having, listen, Braylon Allen's going to be one of the better backs in the country in that running back room. It's just going to look different this time around. But I, I, I saw Greg McElroy the other day great analyst over at ESPN, say that he thinks they have a chance to be this year's TCU, where a new coaching staff comes in and can immediately get the most out of a roster that is veteran in certain places here. I'm not sure I would have them making it all the way to the playoff, but Dad, as far as the West, where it's basically going to be them and Iowa jockeying for position in most people's yeah. estimation, and Iowa, who... Last time on Dragon Ball Z was so anemic on offense last year under Brian Ferentz that they put the uh, incentives into his contract. And I saw Bill Connolly writing about this. The incentives in Brian Ferentz's contract kick in if they average 25 points a game. That allows them to count special teams and defensive touchdowns during that. So... They don't even have to score 25 points a game on offense, and that will be deemed success. And they've got Cade McNamara coming over from Michigan there who said sleep on them if you want to. But I guess when you look and say, all right, 
you know they're going to have great defense, but offensively, yes. that's what success would look like. Yeah, Tanner Mordecai, who threw for 33 touchdowns last year and had nine in one game, does seem like a guy who I, th I think is a college quarterback can be froggy enough to make some really interesting things happen in an offense that's going to be largely putting this together and trying to microwave it on the fly. Yeah, I mean, listen, that that's the whole thing with Iowa is you get get a couple scores ahead of them and you win because they never had the ability to come back. So let's see if that changes. Uh, but I think, still think it's going to be Wisconsin coming out of the West. Look at the defensive side of the ball. You lose Leonard, who Jim Leonard, who everybody said head coaching material everywhere. He's gone. Mike Tressel comes in from Cincinnati, uh, where he was with Fickle. And remember back in 2021, Leonard's defense at Wisconsin was number one in the country against the run. And Trestle's defense that year in Cincinnati was number two in the country against the pass. So he comes in, you know, with, with some good check marks on his side. But we're talking about the offensive and defensive side of the ball, Mike, learning new systems. And you know and I know that can be difficult to do and take some time. So how quickly can players adapt to the new system to where there's less thinking on the field and more just reacting to what's going on in the field? Yeah, and to that point, listen, you've got smart players there. Like Jim Leonard's system, while it was a 3-4 base, this one now is technically like that 3-3-5 with a spinner. Yeah. Jim Leonard's defense did require a lot from the neck up. So I do think as far as the players you're going to have on that side of the ball, you're going to have guys with an aptitude that are going to be able to digest that. Offensively, it's going to be a little bit easier because I do think the quarterback goes a long way. Tanner Mordecai ran a you know, version of the spread that's kind of similar to what Longo does. It's not a ton on your plate formationally. It asks your quarterback to make some good decisions and be a factor in the run game, which I think Tanner Mordecai has like 300 career rushing yards. I'd imagine uh, him. I'd imagine Phil Longo as Matthew McConaughey's character from Wolf of Wall Street. Those are rookie numbers. You got to juice those up based on what he's seen in the last couple of years from Sam Howell <laughs> and then from Drake May. So that's uh, – I think Wisconsin should be the team coming out of the West. I think they – we've seen over the yeah. last few years with a quality coach and the right quarterback and a few key-time transfers, you can do a lot in this era of college football. Now, Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly from last year may have been given people an outsized example of what that can be, and you can certainly throw Sonny Dykes and TCU in there too, but I don't think Wisconsin's far behind based on the pieces that we talk about here and the quality of coaching there. Um, Dad, this will be the last question here. And really, I think about this because there's some interesting matchups that are going to go a long way in determining this conference. There's some rematches from last year. The Penn State-Michigan game was a bloodbath in favor of Michigan. And this is a Penn State team that fancies themselves contenders. So, Dad, which game do you think is actually going to be the most entertaining or the most impactful this upcoming uh, Big Ten season? You know, as much as we want to try and and not always pick these same two teams and try and go somewhere else, I, I just don't think we can. I, I think it comes down to Ohio State and Michigan. Just as we said a couple of years ago, we were wondering about Harbaugh's job because he hadn't got to the Big Ten title game. He hadn't won the Big Ten. He hadn't got to the playoffs. And all of a sudden, two years in a row, there he is. So now that shifts to Ryan Day. Ryan Day could lose for the third year in the road to Michigan, which how unacceptable is that in Columbus, Ohio? So what would it mean to Ryan Day and his job security if he were to lose three years in a row to Michigan, three years in a row to the Big Ten title, and then getting into the playoffs? So this, to me, is going to be the matchup. 
And as I said, and as we know, Ohio State gets five-star recruits all the time. Ohio State has guys flood to the NFL. But we'll see. They're, they're, while they have running backs and receivers all returning, including obviously Marvin Harrison uh, Jr., who is, is unbelievable, it's a new quarterback. Got a couple of old linemen back as well. Defensively, you talked about them earlier. They have some stars. Who's the guy that steps up? So we know the talent is there. They just got out big played by Michigan last year, which was surprising. Usually it's Ohio State that comes up with the big plays, but it was Michigan that came up with the big plays. So it's it's tough for me, even though there are other great matchups we know in the Big Ten. It's very tough to go outside of that game and what it's probably going to decide. <clears throat> Winner is probably going to play for the Big Ten Championship. Winner will have a shot in the Big Ten Championship to win it and then most likely uh, be in the in the college football playoffs as well. So, so much riding on it. Yeah, it's been a pseudo play-in game for the last few years. You're absolutely right. It's one of the best rivalries in college football. So that definitely takes the crown. I am still interested, though, in the Penn State matchups this year. And Michigan specifically because they got beat just so badly last year. That game's on November yeah. 11th. But, Dad, you look – how many years do you think James Franklin's been at Penn State now? Six. This is going to be James Franklin's 10th year in Happy Valley as the head coach. And Boy, in that time period, that, huh? he is 1-8 and against Ohio State, and he's 3-6 and against Michigan. And I just wonder, because he's got four 11-win seasons mixed in there, there's been plenty of success, including last year. And there's a lot expected of them this year. But, Dad, we asked the question before, like, man, if Ohio State loses to Michigan a third year in the row, and if you're Ryan Day and you haven't won a national championship yet and you haven't done the things usual – does anyone start thinking something crazy there? You shouldn't. I would not advocate for that. Ryan Day's been right, a very right. good coach. But Ohio State's one of those jobs where you're expected to win a national title. I just wonder what the conversation in Happy Valley is going to start to be if it's another season where you're a great team and you beat a lot of the teams on your schedule, but you still can't get over the Ohio State or Michigan hump in conference. Uh, listen, at some point, it's got to come into play, depending on the expectations. And expectations in Penn State should be high. You know, that's a blue blood program. There certainly has been a blue blood program over the decades. Uh, and it's just where you think it's acceptable right now. You know, there's always the question of, okay, if it's not Franklin, who are you getting? You know, when, when we were talking about, is Harbaugh going to be the guy at Michigan? Harbaugh was winning 10-11 games every year, but he lost to Ohio State. So it was like, well, who are you going to replace that with then to do better, right? You're basically would be, you're hiring a new coach to beat one team. And that's how intense that rivalry is. So at some point, the Penn State, you know, decision makers have to decide, okay, we're having nice years, but we can't get past these two guys in our division. Now we know divisions are going to go away, right? So they're not going to have that to deal with anymore. But still, we can't get over that hump. How serious are we to say, okay, we need to look at somebody who possibly can, because that would be a desirable job for some. And again, I'm not calling for Franklin's head. I would, I, I like the guy a lot, and we, I would never at call for anybody's, uh, the head for anybody's, uh, or the job for anybody. But at some point, some of the decision makers are going to say, we need to do more, and do we need to find somebody that can maybe do that for us? 
I think Franklin would leave before they'd ever get rid of him. That's just me, but I think that would probably be the more likely outcome. I do want to throw one more game in here just because I think it's kind of a sickos game and the ultimate Big Ten revenge game for this season. October 21st, Wisconsin at Illinois. Because not only do you have <laughs> Brett Bielma out there who's got his history right. with Wisconsin, but Jim Leonard's a senior defensive right. analyst there now. Right. And if you don't think <laughs> deep down in his heart, Jim Leonard's a little salty about how things finished after he was the interim guy, I feel like you don't know ball. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. All right, Dad, let's finish off the day with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to get everyone ready to go. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. Tell us more what you want to see. And support our dear, sweet friends at Knockaround Sunglasses. Please, I keep telling you, they need our help. They're great people, and we want to help them. And they want to help you guard against the sun. It's hot right now. You're heading into August still. Training camp. You want to make sure you're protected. Knockaround.com, your go-to for high-quality polarized shades that aren't going to hurt your wallet. They've got the MLB collection with their first nine teams right now, so you can style down the home stretch as you get ready for September and October baseball. You can also get the U.S. men's or women's national team soccer sunglasses. Get yourself ready for Paris. Do your part for this nation's soccer future. Uh, so don't be the person. Squinting up into the sun, getting sand out of your overpriced shades. Knockaround.com. Use code GOLIC at checkout. Get yourself free shipping on high-quality polarized shades that are going to start at just $28. Dad, let's get to this. The NBA went full-on in their schedule release the other day after the midseason tournament stuff was released. They put out their full schedule release, which... I got to be honest, as someone that's getting ready to knock down the door of football season, we know we're a majority football show, couldn't really bring myself to get invested in. Apparently, the uh, Detroit Pistons, according to our intrepid insider, Brandon Newman, have the most back-to-backs in the upcoming season. Monty Williams and his big fat contract are going to have 15 back-to-backs, almost one for every million dollars he's going to make this upcoming season as the coach. But I was more uh, intrigued by this, Dad. The Brooklyn Nets tried to recreate the viral sensation Tennessee Titans video from the schedule release for the NFL, where they sent someone down to Broad Street and had them ask random people who they thought each mascot or logo of the team was. They went down to Coney Island for this, the Brooklyn Nets, and tried to recreate this. And this is a little bit of what we saw as the result. <laughs> Sorry, none of these look like basketball logos. I've never seen this in my life. Damn. That's look like where Axe Murderer is keeping all this stuff in the closet. Oh, the New York Yankees. Insurance. 
All right, so as you can see, I, Dan, I'm ashamed to admit I watched the entire thing and the bit still works. Like, it is clear plagiarism. They tweeted and gave credit to the Tennessee Titans for the inspo, but it was still very funny. So, Dad, I want to read you a couple of these right now and see if you can oh, guess no. them, although they're going by on the screen now, so you're kind of getting some of the answers here. But I will try and uh, – yeah, they're all going by now. All right, this the bit is slowly devolved and died here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to abandon this midstream because it's a terrible idea. Dad, did you like any of what you saw there? Uh, listen, I, I, I do like – I like that more than when we get Goku or Huban or whatever the – animated stupid stuff is oh you're talking about the, uh, the chargers the chargers anime yeah. themed yeah. uh schedule release don't, videos don't understand that one yeah don't understand that for a minute so i like when they actually interview real people it just goes to show because we're in sports and the amount of people that still don't know sports blows sports people's minds you know there there are those when they say Wait a minute, only you know 50 million or however many million watch the Super Bowl? What was the rest of the country doing? I try to explain. Not everybody's into sports. We are because it's our job. And when you see things like this, you realize just how many people really aren't as into sports as we are. The man wearing the true religion t-shirt in that video is a hero and an author of one of my personal favorites for the Phoenix Suns, which is the sunset and the moon had a baby. So definitely worth your time. Definitely a good effort. Still couldn't get me to care about the NBA schedule release beyond that. Uh, Dad, let's get to that. Speaking of, this was an interesting headline. Pat Fitzgerald is volunteering at a high school, Loyola Academy High School in Chicago, where two of his sons attend and play football. The Northwestern coach was obviously fired in July throughout multiple uh, – fired in July after multiple allegations of hazing, multiple lawsuits levied against Northwestern, some of which named Pat Fitzgerald on the lawsuit. Dad, are you surprised we've seen him resurface this quickly? Um, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised, not, not that he would want to come back somewhere, but that he would be put in a, in a football setting. And, and again, the Loyola Academy said it's, he's a parent volunteer and there's several areas around the program, you know, including game day management, logistics, offering fresh insight, you know, that he's going to provide there. They do background checks and such. So, I, I do think he'll eventually be back into coaching. There's a ways to go now with all these lawsuits, but uh, he's a guy that wants to be involved. And I think, I still think, I don't think that ever went away. I think he's a guy that's extremely well liked. Uh, every interaction I've had with him has been great. Doesn't mean he can't, you know, have, have you know, be involved in what's going on here. So I do think he's a likable guy um, who still wants to be part of football and wants to be part of it where his sons go to school. So that part, I do understand it, that he'd want to do it. Then it's up to, in this case, the high school to allow it to say, yes, we're going to have him as part of that program because you know what's going to come along with it, all the questions that are going to come along with it. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing is it just seems kind of unnecessary. Like I understand Pat Fitzgerald wants to scratch the football edge, but man, you just got ousted from a job because, in part, people questioned your leadership over a group of young men. And now I get that they're saying he's going to be a volunteer. He's going to coach. Like, he's going to, you're going to, you have Pat freaking Fitzgerald there at your high yeah, school. Yeah. They're going to have him helping out and coaching. Like, that's a sham. So 
I, I, I just, it's one of those things where it, I understand he was always probably going to get back into coaching because, like you said, yeah. he's well liked within coaching circles. He has a lot of people that were left with a good taste in his mouth there, but. I do question the optics of having him now once again, even if it's a place that already knows him, has his kids there, him presiding over another group of young men, given that there are still pending lawsuits with his name mentioned in them going against his former employer. Yeah, his name's still going to occasionally be popping up in the news with this, and that's going to now be associated with the high school where he is because they're going to come looking for answers and look or asking questions, whether it's to him or other people in the high school. I it seems a little soon. I guess that's what I would say. There was yeah. no doubt in my mind that at some point he would get back into it and he would have to find a place that would, you know, allow him to get back into it. This it feels a bit soon to be back involved with all that surrounding him and all the questions that are still going to be posed to him and others around him. Dad, let's get to the third. This story lit up my brain as soon as I saw it. Kansas City Chiefs superfan known as Chief Saholic was indicted by a federal grand jury on Wednesday for allegedly robbing a string of banks in the Midwest and allegedly laundering the stolen cash through casinos, according to a statement from the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Western District of Missouri. Xavier Babadar, the man behind the social media handle, was arrested last month after a robbery in Iowa last year. He's 28. He's been arrested on 19 and count indictment that replaces and adds more charge to the federal criminal complaint that was filed to him against May. Dad, he allegedly not only is responsible for six bank robberies and two attempted robberies, but also alleged he stole more than $800,000 that he used to fund his trip to Chiefs games and gamble on the team. Yeah, Dad, this yeah. is, I think, jump to our premier sports criminal in my lifetime. Incredible. And then to launder the money, he'd go to casinos and get turn the money into chips and then redeem the chips back into cash. That was... That was his way of laundering the money as well. So, you know, he thought about what he was doing, but I'm sure nobody, nobody, when you're, you know, doing what he's doing, I guess it's got to be in the back of your mind about getting caught. But man, when you get caught and get hammered with 19, you know, indictments, uh, it's a 19 count indictment. That, that's, that's amazing on what's going to happen to him and the life he was leading and how that has quickly changed for a, for a, a guy that families looked at at the games and laughed at, look, son, look, your daughter, look at, look at this guy, have fun, laugh at him. Literally, you know, you know, while he's doing all that, he's robbing banks and placing wagers on the Chiefs at the same time. And still, the man in the wolf costume, I am not fully convinced, won't still be at opening night against the Detroit Lions. <laughs> we might be there too. Who knows? Download, subscribe, rate, review. We'll see you tomorrow. Go, go. Boom. Money in the bank.